remembering that. I almost forgot. So, All right, we're good to go? All right, we're going to be in the book of Habakkuk then. And uh, I've enjoyed the Old Testament survey that we've been doing. Certainly has been enjoyed. The book of Habakkuk is a unique book. It's only three chapters long, and it seems like, boy, there's not a whole lot that you would get here. Probably one of the most powerful chapters of Scripture is Habakkuk chapter number 3, when it comes to recognition and praise of God. It's probably one of the most majestic uh, chapters, I think, that uh, is written, in, especially in the Old Testament, and I would say probably in the entirety of the Bible. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 3 is a fantastic uh, uh, verse of uh, passage of Scripture of Habakkuk giving praise to God. Um, and uh, it's, it's interesting because... It's a stark contrast to the beginning of the book. Habakkuk is one of these prophets who uh, more than likely was an active priest uh, that was involved in the worship in the temple there in Jerusalem. So he's a prophet during the time of uh, right before the Babylonian captivity. So he would have been contemporaries uh, probably a little earlier maybe than Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but probably knew them, probably within that time frame. Um, because the uh, the Babylonian Empire was uh, becoming a world power. They had already begun to challenge the Assyrians, um, who at the time were the world power. And so Babylon is rising in strength. They're conquering, and they're, they have not yet come to Judah and conquered Jerusalem. Uh, and part of what God tells Habakkuk is the coming judgment of Babylon coming there. But that kind of gives you the time uh, setting. And uh, Habakkuk is, is in Judah. He's in uh, serving there in Jerusalem at the temple. Uh, and best we can tell, he was an active priest at that point. He, he also refers to himself as Habakkuk the prophet. And it seems by that statement that his life has been given to being a prophet of God. But, um, one of the commentators I was reading and studying some of this, uh, he said, he, he used the phrase, he was a professional prophet. I don't like that terminology. But it seems to be that God had that purpose on his life from a very early point and that his life was given uh, to being a prophet for God. Unlike some of these men uh, that were just farmers and common people, that the word of the Lord came to them, uh, Habakkuk was a little more involved in God's work. And uh, it's interesting because the first two chapters, uh, Habakkuk has uh, two distinct uh, dialogues with God, two distinct conversations with Him, both of them um, very transparently sharing with God His doubts, His lack of understanding in what God was doing. And I find that very interesting because here's a man who's active, involved in the in the work of the temple. He's there uh, doing the priestly duties of the worship uh, daily. And um, and yet there are some questions he has, some things he doesn't understand about God. And he questions God. He has a conversation with him two different times, uh, one in chapter 1 and one in chapter 2. And uh, both times he questions God and then he waits for an answer. He waits for God to, to show and to give a, an indication of what uh, his response to these questions are. We're going to take a, a brief look at them. Uh, he, he's very much wrestling uh, with some things of faith, some matters of faith. And the reason I say that's very interesting is, uh, you know, we don't see this in a lot of the other prophets. I'm not saying they've not had the, the same experiences, 
We just don't have a record of them in Scripture. But I think that we all sitting here today could say that there are times that the circumstances of life happen and we, we hold them uh, against promises of Scripture or um, things we know of Scripture, principles of Scripture. And we scratch our heads and we say, okay, Lord, I just don't understand. If you're this way, if you've promised these things, why are these things happening in life? I think there are times that we all have those skepticisms or doubts and wonderings of, Lord, why are you doing this? The psalmist was no different. David was that way. Do you remember that? He, uh, he wrote, why do the heathen rage? And the wicked imagine, have vain imaginations. And why do the wicked prosper? He said, here I am being hunted down and being persecuted, and the wicked are over here prospering. They're, uh, they, they have everything they need. Their life is good for them, and I'm going through such a hard time. And the psalmist didn't understand. He questioned God. Uh, Job, when he went under the testing of God, uh, comes to God, and he questions God. And, of course, God uh, comes back to Job, and he answers his question with a whole slew of questions. And said, Job, you think uh, you think you know it all? Well, where were you when I did this and this and this? And he goes through a whole list of things. When I created the world and when I did these things. Uh, Habakkuk is a lot like this. And I want to I want to just point out this that God understands the fact that we are by nature uh, humans, and we we are prone to having our faith weakened or shaken, to question our faith from time to time, because it doesn't seem like, and it may be that there's a seeming contradiction between uh, the circumstances of life that, that have come our way. And, and the reason that God is, is not doing what He says He is and what He's promised. So, so the first question he has in chapter 1, the first dialogue he has with God is, Lord, Lord why are you not judging us? Judah has gone through, uh, Judah's at the very end. They're, they're getting ready to come under the judging hand of God. <clears throat> they're at their end. But Habakkuk looks at it. He doesn't know God's judgment is coming. What, what Habakkuk sees is prophet after prophet coming to Judah and saying, you need to repent. You need to get things right. You're, you're following after idolatry. Uh, there's immorality and adultery rampant. And for those two big issues, um, he says, Lord, why are you not bringing judgment on Judah? He does this in chapter 1. Let's look and we'll read the first five verses. <clears throat> he says, The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see, O Lord, how long shall I cry? And thou wilt not hear, even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Uh, why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance for spoiling, and violence are before me? And there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Behold, he, he among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. And so he, he questions God. He says, Lord, where are you? Why, why are you allowing Judah to spurn the warning of your prophets and to continue in idolatry? I think we live in a time where, if we're not careful, we question God on this. Lord, why are we in such a wicked world? Why is it that... The morality of our country seems to just be going down the drain. And you don't seem to be doing anything about it. 
And this is, this is Habakkuk's question. And he kind of comes to God on it. And so he, he waits on God's answer after uh, verse number 4, verse number 5. And God answers him. <laughs> and God answers him with an answer of, I'm going to use the Babylonians. And they are going to come, and they are going to bring judgment on Judah. And he tells them very specifically. Now, the Babylonians were becoming a world power. They weren't quite the, the full... The, the, the Assyrians still had a slight advantage, I would say, at this point in history over the Babylonians. But the Babylonians had uh, the momentum. They were vastly and quickly, rapidly becoming the world uh, influence and power. And one of the things about the Babylonians was, just, just as it was with the Assyrians, uh, they were known for their cruelty and their violence uh, when it came to battles, when it came to their oppressing people. And uh, so God tells Habakkuk, he says, okay, you want the answer? Here's the answer. He says, I'm getting ready to bring Babylon along uh, to bring Judah into captivity. And uh, that causes Habakkuk then to have the second question. And this is a question I want us to think about really, uh, put, our, put our minds to it today. Because I think this is a question, a similar question, to what oftentimes you and I may have with God. The second question that he asks God when he finds out that he's going to use Babylon of all people. His second question is, Lord, why are you going to use someone that is more wicked than Judah to bring punishment to Judah? doesn't seem right. You're not willing to tolerate the sin of Judah, and yet you're using somebody who even is more wicked to accomplish your work. Boy, have we not wondered those things sometimes in our life? Lord, here's somebody that they don't even love you. They don't even, they're, they're idolatrous. They don't even name the name of Christ. Why is it that you're using them to chasten your people? Maybe even to chasten me. If we're not careful, we'll begin to wonder, Lord, I don't understand this. If your character is for justice and righteousness and holiness, why use an evil people to accomplish your work against and punishment towards and the chastening towards a people that is chosen by you? Yes, your people are, are idolatrous. Yes, your people are, are, are committing adultery, but not to the level of the Babylonians. The Babylonians, not only are they idolatrous, not only are they wicked in their, in their culture, but they are vicious, they're cruel. They're violent. And uh, there, there came a point where Habakkuk went from saying, Lord, I don't understand why you're not judging, to saying, Lord, do we really need to be judged that badly? I mean, to the level you're talking about us being judged. He questions these things. By the way, there are times that I've heard people in the past say, well, never question God. I think there are times we should question what God is doing if we don't understand it. For God to give us some understanding. It's during, I, now, I don't think we ought to question Him in the sense that we think we know better than God. That's an arrogant way to, to question Him. Like, Lord, what are you doing? I think that's wrong. That would be a wrong attitude. But to come to Him and say, Lord, I just don't understand. Uh, will you show me? This is the spirit that Habakkuk comes in both times when he questions God. And God, God shows him some things. God tells him some things. 
And it brings us to a wonderful passage in chapter 2. And uh, let's look down, if you will, to, um, uh, let me see if i got the right passage here, 2 and verse number, I should have marked it in my Bible. Uh, here we go. Chapter 2, verse number, let's, I'm going to start verse number 1, okay? Uh, we're going to read down through uh, verse 4. So, after Habakkuk questions God, then he says this in verse 1, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. So, he's already expecting God to come at him. He says, I'm going to go up on the watchtower and I'm waiting for God's answer. And the Lord answered me. Isn't that a wonderful statement? <laughs> I mean, I know that that's just kind of an impassing statement, but isn't that wonderful that the Lord answers us? The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end of it, uh, end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, and it will not tarry. Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him. But no, I want you to notice this. But the just shall live by his faith. This is the answer that Habakkuk needed to hear from God. And basically what God is telling Habakkuk, Habakkuk, you don't need to understand my ways. You just need to trust my ways. Regardless of what your thoughts are of justice and righteousness and holiness, they are not pure in those areas like mine are. My justice is pure. It's perfect. My justice and my timing is right. And he shows Habakkuk three things. He shows Habakkuk his purposes in what he's doing. He shows Habakkuk his power and his might to accomplish the things that he's doing. And he finally gives Habakkuk the plan that he has in store for Israel and for Judah specifically. And understanding these three things, Habakkuk goes from being doubtful and questioning to a man who makes statement of the just shall live by his faith. And I'll tell you this, there are times... I. I I'm going to share a little bit. I was going to wait till the 11 o'clock hour to make a statement like this, but I want to make this statement that we bear in our bodies the marks and the consequences of our past. But our walk today, presently, should reflect the person that Christ has now made us. We do not need to keep walking in those things. And so Habakkuk, he, he had some doubt. He had some questions for God. And I'll tell you, he posed some pretty direct questions to God. He didn't beat around the bush with him. Lord, why aren't you judging us? And then when God says, okay, I am, and here's how I'm doing it, and I will accomplish it, then Habakkuk says, well, wait a minute, God. Why are you using them? Of all people, why are you using them to judge us? God says, the just shall live by his faith, Habakkuk. Habakkuk recognizes the absolute perfectness of God's plan, his purpose, and his will. He may not fully understand what the plan is yet, or the purpose is yet, and in fact doesn't. But he does know some things. 
there are a few things that are very, very important for him to note and to understand. Look with me in chapter 3, and uh, let's look in verse number 17. Chapter 3, verse number 17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herds in the stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God, notice this, of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like hinds feet, and He will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singers on my stringed instruments. Chapter 3, if you get a chance to read it, I'll tell you, it is rich. It's one of those things, if you have never sat and in a in a quiet time, alone, just take and read chapter 3. In fact, it's a short book. It's a great contrast to sit and read all of it at one time because you see how, how back it goes from the questioning, a man whose faith is doubtful at best. And, and by the way, we're not talking about a man who is weak in his faith. We're talking about one of the priests that serves in the temple. You may say, well, Pastor, I've been saved for a long time. I'm embarrassed that my faith is shaken or transparent. It happens to the best of us. It comes to a full circle and realization and recognition of the might of God. His purpose in the affairs of man. I wrote these notes down uh, from a, another commentator. I wish I could claim them as mine because I thought they were pretty good. But this is from another commentator. They said this, "...even the most obedient in the service of the Lord." have moments of not understanding God's ways. This is human nature. When this happens, our vision of God's purpose, God's power, and God's plan needs to be brought into focus and will cause us to trust by faith, though we do not understand by sight. I'm going to read that one more time carefully. I want you to listen to it. Even the most obedient in the service of the Lord have moments of not understanding God's ways. This is human nature. When this happens, our vision of God's purpose, God's power, and God's plan needs to be brought into focus and will cause us to trust by faith, though we cannot understand by sight. What a great truth. I believe it is the key truth. If we were to look at one overwhelming truth to be found in the book of Habakkuk, and there are many others, but if we were to look at the supreme idea and thought of the entirety of the book, I believe those statements sum it up. That while we may not be able to understand by sight, we need to be able to trust by faith that which we cannot see. There are a ton of things I wish I had time, and I, I, I've got a lot of notes here I didn't even get into. I, I was worried about that this morning. It's a small book, and I thought of all the times it's going to take forever to teach this because there is so much in it. Uh, I did type these notes off and copy them. If you want to copy the notes, I'll put them in the back table there. I would encourage you to do a thorough study of Habakkuk. What a great, great book. Three chapters long. It's not big. But I'm going to tell you, you'll get a wealth of truth from it. And what a wonderful setting. 
chapter 3, the entirety of chapter 3 is Habakkuk saying, okay, thank you, God, you answered my questions. And he spends the entirety of chapter 3 praising God for who He is, for His plan. We find that uh, Christ is found in, in uh, Habakkuk three different times. The word salvation is used, all of them in uh, chapter number 3, uh, twice in one verse and once in another verse. It's interesting. I'm not one to get into the original languages hardly ever. I don't think that there's ever a time to correct the King James Version because it doesn't need to be corrected. But there are some interesting things that help us to understand some stuff occasionally. And the, the root of the word that these three words, uh, salvation, were used from was the same root word that uh, was used for the name of the Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, verse 24, when it says, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. That same root word was used for the word salvation. And what a beautiful picture it is that we find three different times in the book of Habakkuk that this salvation that Habakkuk speaks of is not just deliverance from the Babylonians, but a foresight into the ultimate redemption by the Lord Jesus Christ, that He is our salvation. And uh, what an amazing truth there is that's taught there. And uh, we see uh, also uh, in chapter 2, and I'll just take one more time to look at one, more, one other verse, if you don't mind. Let's look in chapter 2, verse number 14. I think there's one other picture of the Lord Jesus Christ that's given here. And uh, Habakkuk says this, For the earth shall be filled with the, with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We've just been studying in uh, Wednesday nights in Revelation about the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. How there will be a, 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 a propagation of truth unlike anything we've ever seen during that time. I believe verse 14 is prophetically speaking of this millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. I think he's speaking of that time in advance. He's looking forward to those times. As the waters cover the sea. This is, there's going to be a time. There's going to be a time where we're going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. I'll tell you this, that while we may have some doubts and misunderstandings on this side of heaven, while we may not understand all of God's ways, the fact that He is slow to wrath, He tells us that, but we can't fully understand that. We may, as Habakkuk, say, Lord, how long are you going to tolerate the wickedness in this world? The Lord is slow to wrath. But rest assured, there's going to come a day where the entirety of the world, the Bible says here, as the waters cover, cover the sea, the world is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And I'm looking forward to that day. I think it's going to be a wonderful time, a wonderful day. The key chapter is chapter number 3. The theme of the book, if you had to point to one overall theme, is the just shall live by his faith. And chapter 2, verse number 4. A wonderful book. If you've never taken time, I know some of these smaller prophetic books are not the ones we go to in our Bible reading all the time. We like to read Psalms. We like to read the Gospels. We like to read Paul's epistles. Habakkuk's a wonderful book. You could, you could sit in that for weeks in your Bible study time and probably not exhaust the things that you would find from it. Uh, even though it's a small book, it's, it's packed full of some truth that I think we can easily relate to in the day and the, day, the time that we live in as well. And hope that will encourage you along the way. If you question things, uh, you're in good company. Habakkuk did too. 
but just get to the place where the just shall live by his faith. Though we may not understand it by sight, we can trust it uh, by our faith. Let's go ahead and uh, stand. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're thankful for your word. We pray that you'll bless and use the time that we've spent around it. Wonderful book this morning that we've spent time covering and studying, learning about. I pray that you'd help us to glean from it the things that were so important to Habakkuk and to his life. The things that will help us to 